0: Today, I want to make sure that we talked about a gift exchange. For the next four weeks, we're going to talk about the greatest gift exchange ever known. Now, how many of you have ever been to one of those parties where they said, Everybody buy a gift for 20 bucks, but they didn't tell you if it was supposed to be a white elephant or a good gift for 20 bucks. You've been there? and So about five years ago or so, uh, I, I brought the staff. We went, before Christmas, we went down to the mall, we ate in the food court, gave everybody a $20 bill and a name and their job was to spend one hour in the mall to buy something for 20 bucks for that staff member that they got the name for and then bring it back here and we do a gift exchange. Well, I realized in a hurry, that my staff, two-thirds of them, bought gifts that were clearly inappropriate. And, and Tripp bought a gift that was supposed to be a gag gift, but his gift was to Beth. If you don't know Beth, let me just stop and say, it was inappropriate. We all were a bit aghast. It was like, that's not going to end well. But, you know, some gifts turn out good. Like I, I can remember going to these parties, and I really have to ask now. And this is a good this is a good policy for all of us. Is it a white elephant gift, or is it like worth something? Because you can be pretty you can be pretty, pretty messed up. But there's some gifts that turned out good. In 1992, this guy uh, lost a hammer. fell off of his tractor in the field, and he decided to go look for his hammer. So he got out one of those things. It's a metal detector you see on the beach, you know. And while he was searching for his hammer, this guy found a chest that was full of antiquities and silver from the fourth century, and he sold it for more than 3.8 million bucks. That's a lot of hammers. Guy by the name of Nick Mead. Watch this. Nick Mead, for some reason, Rusty, this sounds like something you'd do. This guy, Nick Mead, or Rusty as we would know it, bought a Russian tank for $40,100. I could see you buying a tank, but listen to the best part of it. In the fuel tank of this Russian tank, he found $2.5 million worth of gold bars. Pretty good deal, right? Yeah, all right, so now watch this. An elderly grandma, this was back only like maybe 15 years ago. An elderly grandma passes away and her family discovered an Old West-styled safe. They called a guy and he cracked the safe. And inside the safe were handguns and bags of money with different bank names on it. I mean, forget grandma got run over by a reindeer. Grandma robbed a bank. I mean, come on on, I would have loved it had that been my grandma. But the gifts exchange I want to share with you this month, though, is is truly something of very great specificity. Have you ever been to a football game, and you're up in the stands, and you look down on the field when the band is doing their things? You know, they got their plumes on, and they got their stuff going, you know, and, and you could see they spelled something out, right? Like, you know, at Ohio, you know, they dot the I, and like, any of us here care, but I mean, you, <laughs> you, you literally can see it from the stands. But if you're in the middle of that, if you're standing on the 20-yard line, man, you don't know what's going around around you, right? I mean, you, just, you don't get it. You have to see from a different view. Well, as we get into the Christmas season, I think it's important for us to recognize that God is not only in the, the, the field with us, but he's looking from the Goodyear Blimp view. He sees it all. I mean, the reason God is God and we are not is that we're on the field and we can't see it from that vision. That he can oversee it and he sees all of that. I mean, G.K. Chesterton, a great great mind of yesteryear said, we are on the wrong side of the tapestry. And, and what he's trying to say is, like on that left side, what you get to see is you just see the, what's pulled through is the knots and the, and the gnarls, and you don't see the beauty of it. But what happens is a master artist is weaving that tapestry to give us another look. And on that other side, it comes out to be something beautiful, but on the back side, we don't see everything. You know, the problem is most of us live on the left side of the tapestry, not on the right side but the master artist is doing a work in our life. When we see the all powerful God on the throne of the universe, God, our father committed to our good, then what can happen is we can take our stress and we can trade it in for his strength. Now, before I lose you, because I know many of you are saying, Chuck, there is no way I've tried this before. I've tried laying down my stress. I can't deal with it. Let me just give you a quick word. I have told you in years past that I am, a, I am a pastor and I'm a person who can live on the bleeding edge of depression. And, and several months ago, I just genuinely had one of those moments where it's like, no, no, that's silly. I I am a child of the king. I preach that we are children of the king. No, wait a minute, no. God has an extraordinary plan for my life and for yours as well. No, he does not want me wallowing in the weeds on this stuff. No, he doesn't want me to live stressed out. No, he does have a plan for my life. And literally determining, Lord, I'm gonna take you at your word. I am never again gonna have to say, I wallow on the edge of depression because I believe who you say you are. Now, let me just stop and say at a personal level, It's much easier for me to say to you, I wallow in depression, but it's so much more powerful to say you without any hesitation, no longer. I believe God at his word and he has done a work in my heart and he can do it in yours where you can lay that stress down. You can walk away from it and you can become stronger through it. But having a biblical perspective gives us the opportunity to lay our stress down and lay hold of his strength. But you see, this is never more true than at this wonderful time of the year with the holiday greeting and credit cards bleeding and expectations galore. This is when we have to use this, but I want you to know this. God can use stress to get our attention. God can use stress. He did it in my life to get my attention. Chuck, wait a minute. You are living so many, so many lies that Satan is screaming in your ears. I want you to claim hold of my promises for you. God created us. He designed us to receive his messages. If I stick my hand in a fire, my brain and my body are saying, get out. And I know to do that, right? If I ignore it, I'm going to pay the price. C.S. Lewis once said, pain is God's megaphone. Listen, when you are stressed, God is sending you a message. He's sending a message to say, I, ha- I haven't designed you to carry that, but I may leave that with you until I get your attention. Now you could say, well, Chuck, that sounds vengeful. God's correction is never vengeful. God's correction is always educational. God's correction is always to get our attention for our good and for his glory. We ignore physical, mental, and spiritual warning signs, and what happens is we miss the message that God has for our life. You say, well, Chuck, how do I practically hand my stress back to an invisible God that I may not know as I should? Well, I think that's a great question. You see, God can... And God does use stress for our good and for his glory, but we have to know it in its Genesis. We have to know from whence it came and we have to know who put it there and who allowed it there. You see, we are all stressed by several things. We're stressed by time. We get stressed out by time. Have you ever noticed how much we wanna put God in our watch? It's like, God, I need you to do this now. And God's like, no, I, I, that's not how I work. I don't work according to your time. God works in timing. God, God is waiting for us to come to him and say, God, I want you to take this dress. I'm not going to hang on to it anymore. I'm not going to wear it like a badge of honor any longer. I'm going to surrender it. And I'm going to let you have it. You see, but how in the world do you tangibly do that? We first recognize this, that God is going to allow the stress you may experience in time as a way to remind you that he wants more of your time. You see, we're not just stressed out by time. We're stressed out by our tasks. We all have responsibilities, I get it. I mean, I don't care if you work in the home, out of the home, on a showroom floor, on a job site. We all have have this stress of task. I have gotta do, I gotta do, I gotta do. We live in a society that greatly rewards busyness. And all the while, God may be allowing that stress in your task list to say, wait a minute, you're trying to do more than I'm asking of you. Wait a minute, you're trying to do everything on your own. You're not giving that away. But we're also stressed by the turmoil of a world that's just upside down. You watch the news and it's like, oh, my stars, the world's gone crazy. We're just stressed out by turmoil. I found on Facebook how many videos there are that show road rage. There are some angry drivers out there. And most of them are in Gwinnett County. I've seen some of you on those videos, I think. Would you, if you're going to do that, not wear that little sugar hill magnet on the back? Like, would you get one that says four Gwinnett instead? I'm kidding! Kind of. But we're also stressed by our temperament. Some of y'all are just uptight people. I mean, I, having been one of you, I, I can see you coming. Like, I'll stand out there between service. I'll see people walking and say, how you doing? I'm going to am you know, and you got your kid in your left arm, you got another kid in your right arm, and say, hey, you look at the little boy, little girl, how you doing, you know? And everything in the mom wants to say, shut up. We're going to church. <laughs> I mean, we can even get stressed out by coming to church, can't we? I mean, really, it's crazy. Of any place in the world, we're not supposed to be stressed out, it's here. I was like, I see some kids sliding down there, what do I care? Like, I like, mean, dude's in church, that's cool. One of these days, he's gonna tell his little boy, you know, I didn't sing either, I slid down the church thing. Listen to me. Some folks just seem to become more stressed out quickly than others. And I've been one of y'all. And, and I believe if Jenny were standing here with me right now and you said, is Chuck just preaching or is that really Chuck? I believe she'd say, man, he has made a hard and fast determination that I'm not going to let Satan own my emotions anymore. And I don't want him to own yours. I believe there's a way that we literally can take away the time and the task and the turmoil and and all of the things that cause this, including our temperament, and say, the Lord wants us to rise above that. All stress, though, is not harmful. Now, we know that stress can cause all kinds of things. Stress can cause deadly circumstances. But, you know, not all stress is harmful. Most stress could become helpful as a matter of fact, proper stress could be a blessing in your life. This building is enduring, proper stress, and it does, and as it does, it is a blessing for us to enjoy. Some stress, though, is harmful. Stress is not properly handled. can cause significant problems. Stress can make you sick. I mean, we've, we know all the science behind this. It leads to all kinds of illnesses, including, but not limited to, heart disease, headaches, stomach spasms, ulcers, type 2 diabetes, hypertension, muscle cramps, I mean, stress can literally kill a person. But now watch this, stress can lead to emotional weakness as well, I'm living proof of that. Stress not properly handled leads to worry and anger and bitterness, it will cause you to hang on to resentment and pettiness, and it causes a person to lose their own joy, and stress can make a person hard to deal with because of emotional tension. Now, how many of you would say, stress says that to me every now and then, anybody? How many of you say stress does that to my spouse every now and then? Well, so we basically covered the room. Now watch this. Stress can also make a person incredibly negative. You show me somebody stressed out, I'll show you somebody that can find something wrong with everything. Show me somebody that's stressed out and you're watching the voice and this girl is just wailing on a song, just killing it, you know? And you, one, one person is like, they're, they're emotionally doing pretty well. It's like, that was so pretty. The other person in the room that's all uptight is like, I can't believe she wore that. And somebody, did, they're on there to sing. Are you with me? Do you know that person or are you that person? Stress can make somebody incredibly negative. I mean, they can find a gray lining in every silver cloud. And what we see in this is that Stress is a dangerous thing to handle improperly. But then there's two words that step in, and the Scriptures take us all the way through these two words, but God. Stress does all this to our bodies, but God. Stress does all this to our emotions, but God. Stress does all this to our relationships, but God. Stress does all of this with our faith, but God. God can use, and God does use stress to help us redefine and rediscover our priorities. Everybody has priorities. Whether you make the annual goals or monthly goals or weekly goals or daily lists, it doesn't matter what you do. Some of us have never chosen or experienced the right priorities and we've never defined them. And stress can be a time in which God could say, I want to get your attention so that you could put the priorities in, in the proper order of your life you see, we've been big around here for a long time saying this, when you get Jesus in the right priority of your life, every other of life issues will get settled well. When you don't get Jesus in the right priority of your life, every other issue is gonna bring stress and strain in your relationships, in your marriage, with your parenting, with your parents, with anybody and everybody. And the challenge is that we all have priorities. The question is, is Jesus at the top of the list? And when he's not, Stress is gonna rain on our heart. I mean, no matter how you're wired, this world is going to celebrate you being stressed out. Think about, oh, the past week, how many times you said to somebody, hey, how you doing? And the response was, oh boy. Or your response was, man, I, I don't know how we're gonna, I don't know how we're gonna do it. Or maybe it was, I, you know, it's just, how, how often do you run across somebody and say, how you doing? And they just look at you and say, I'm doing great. And your immediate thought is they're high. I mean, seriously, when you look at this, you think to yourself, come on, that's just not... There's something in a believer's life that ought to say, my priorities are so genuinely in place that he has taken over the stress that wants there. And he, and, and he alone can press that down and remove it because you can leave it with him. But you see, by abandoning our God-given priorities, we set ourselves up to learn a hard lesson. In essence, we do what the Israelites did. that They lived... in in homes, but they never brought God into their home and it led to ruin. Twice in the Old Testament book of Haggai chapter one, God's people are admonished, listen to this, to give careful thought to your ways. If you're looking for a way to go from stress to strength, I'm going to ask you to do this. Are you willing to take an inventory that gives careful thought to your ways? What you think what you read, what you listen to, what you see, how you reply, who you hang out with, where you go, I could go on down, are you with me? And because in the middle of that, what what the prophet is trying to say is, we must give careful thought to our ways. If we are going to be a people that can lay stress aside and lay claim to God's strength, we have to give careful thought to our ways. We have to give some intentionality to it. Each day, we've gotta be intentional about what I'm going to do and how God's going to use me and what I'm going to surrender. If we wake up every day and it's just another Monday with no intentionality to it, stress is going to end our life and it's gonna rob us of the joy. There has to be an intentionality that steps into this because listen, stress should take us back to the basics. It's an opportunity to reevaluate our priorities and bring them in line with God's will in God's way. But God also uses stress to draw us to Himself. Time and again it was said of the people of Israel, like in Second Chronicles fifteen four. But in their distress they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found by them. Listen, that same God who never has changed and never will change, that same God that they cried to is the same God you can cry to right now and you'll be able to say, and he was found by you. God is not playing hide and seek from you. He's not throwing all kind of weird junk with stress at you. God can't wait for you to come to him and say, in my distress, I'm going to turn to you and I want to trust you more. But you say, Chuck. I've tried this, it didn't work for me. Well, maybe you're like Jonah in chapter two, verse two, where he says, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. Maybe we're not calling. Maybe what we're doing is just grumbling. You know, there's a big difference between prayer and griping. There's a big difference between faith and fuming. There's a big difference in coming to the Lord and saying, I want to trust you with everything because I'm messing up versus, Lord, how come you're doing this to me? Look at me, I'm a good person. There's a totally different world there. The psalmist, though, are full of references, friend, about turning to God, seeking him, and finding him in times of distress. The psalmist wrote in chapter 18, verse six, in my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. And then in Psalm 120 verse 1, I call on the Lord in my distress and he answers me. When our lives are comfortable and stress-free too often, we withdraw from the Lord into our own worlds of spiritual independence and isolation. It's like, I got this. Money's good. Lord, I'm good. Money's good. Family's good. And all the while, our priorities keep slipping and eventually stress catches up to it. And it's like, Lord, how come you're doing this to me? And the Lord's saying with that megaphone, I want to send you a message. Will you hear me? I want you to do something for me. Put your Bibles and phones, tablets down and whatnot and just take your hand and put them in your lap like this. Then I don't want to ask you just, if you would just kind of roll your head up a little bit and just, just put your eyes heavenward. I want you to think of one thing that's stressing you out in your life right now. And I'm gonna ask you if you would, just kind of follow me with this prayer. God today, I wanna hand you the stress. I I want to trust you that you're going to take care of the stress. And I wanna ask you to step into my mess, and I want to grab hold of your strength. Lord, I don't think I can handle this stress apart from you, so I'm going to ask you to take your proper and rightful place sitting on the throne of my heart. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you. Now, you could say, well, Chuck, I didn't get the answer I wanted right then. Remember, he didn't care about our time. He cares about timing. In his timing, he's gonna do everything he wants to do with you, through you, and for you. But watch this, sometimes God uses stress to discipline us as well. This is the part I don't like, but you know what? I remember having to discipline my kids and it was necessary. Listen to what uh, quoting Solomon, the, the writer of Hebrews offers in Hebrews chapter 12. He says, my child, Do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those that he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. Friend, listen, God is not waiting to plunk you on the head. He's wanting to... And see that you can lay your stress, your anxiety, your fret, your worry, your problems, whatever it is, you can lay that as feet at his feet. And he's gonna get our attention one way or the other. And if we're running away from him without the intentionality to put him at the top of the seat, on the throne of our heart, then what's gonna happen is his discipline is going to happen. Listen to what the writer of Proverbs said in chapter 13, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. But now watch this, write this one down, tweet it, do whatever you wanna do, but get this, God's discipline is corrective, never vengeful. God's correction in our life is always corrective. It's for our good and his glory. It's not God trying to get even. If God chose to be fair and get even with us, we wouldn't be here. I mean, with one little thunk, he could be done with us, but he doesn't. He wants us to come to him. He wants our correction to be to turn toward him. God sends stresses not to get back at us for doing wrong, but to deepen our dependence on him in order to do right. You see, through the stressful experience, it might seem excruciating at the time, but ultimately it's for your good and his glory. The writer of Hebrews chapter 12 says, God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Listen, God uses stress to strengthen our faith. God uses that stress to ensure where we're at. First Peter chapter one says, these trials have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And where is he revealed? In our lives. Where is he to receive honor and glory? In our heart. How are we supposed to honor him with that? By trusting with all the things we can't do. We're going to lay down all of that stress. We're going to lay down all of that anxiety. There's only one way that a muscle grows. You know what that is? Through stress. It only grows through stress. A muscle that's rarely exercised atrophies. It shrinks into uselessness. A muscle seldom stretched beyond its usual limits can only maintain itself it cannot grow. To grow a muscle has to be stressed and unusual demands have to be placed upon it. This is why when we say things like, God will never give you more than you can handle is a lie. God will indeed give you more than you can handle to remind you that you need him. God's going to give you this stress as a reminder. Say, hey, Chuck. Hey, Bob. Hey, Paul. Hey, Mandy. Hey, Sue. Take hold. I want you to recognize I'm sending you a message with a megaphone in this stress. I'm calling you to lay it down at my feet. Trust me more. You ever seen grass grow through pavement? I mean, it happens in our parking lot, some in the middle of the summer. You get this little little tiny blade of green grass. There's about six inches of crusher run out there, you know, ground up by, uh, uh, gravel. And then you got about two inches of asphalt And then you got about four layers that we put on it over the years where where we seal it. And somehow, some way that tiny blade of grass comes all the way up through those four inches or six inches of crushed gravel, comes through those two inches of pavement, those two or three coats of sealer, and somehow sticking above that is one little green blade of grass. you think, how in the world could that happen? Well, you know, the God of all creation did not limit What could happen when we stretch toward the heavens? The God of heaven made us in the crucible of stress to look toward him to be resourced by and cared for and loved and counseled. He gives us faith and strength to crack through and rise above the asphalt coat of our life under stress. But Chuck, how do I exchange my stress for his strength? I mean, seriously, well, I thought you'd never ask here's a simple little plan. You ready? It's powerful. It's three quick steps to overcome and pivot from your stress to his strength. Number one, identify the source of the stress. Identify it with great specificity. This is where my stress has come from. Now, this is going to result in you having to either seek counsel or look hard in the mirror and probably having, having to have a willingness to say, God, would you search my heart? Remember what David said? Search my heart, point out every wicked way. Remind me, God, of where I've gone astray. This may take just a few minutes of wanting to stop looking in the mirror to see what we look like, to look in the mirror and see who we are. But identify the source too often when we create our own stress. I know I do. At times it's out of poor decisions. Sometimes it's lack of planning. Sometimes it's untruths that have ensnared us. Sometimes it's, it's trying to be a people pleaser all the time. But when we identify the source, we can see the right course of action. When we seek the right course of action, it'll feel like what Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter four. Don't worry about anything. That's easy, but what do I do in place of that? Pray about everything. Now, if you're wondering about specificity, this is where it's at. Pray about everything. And this is what I hear in my office all the time. Well, I don't really have any, I don't, I don't have any right to ask God to help me in this when there's so many people who have without that, 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 that. And, and I'd say, okay, but you're never gonna win that. There's always somebody that needs needs God more than you do. There's always somebody who's going to... But here's the beauty of God. God doesn't rank needs. When, when, When you come to him, whatever it is in the need in your life, that is number one to him right then. You say, well, how does he do that? I don't know. But he's God and I'm not. I couldn't do it, but I know he does. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. You see how those two go hand in hand? The first one is stop worrying about it. You can't fix it. Pray about it. He can. Tell God exactly what you need. And by the way, don't forget to thank him for all he's already done. You're breathing. You're wearing clothes. You probably ate or will eat today. Most of you are going to go to a roof over your head today. We're already beating three-fourths of the world right now. And you say, but Chuck, where's the rest of it? There's got to be a punch. Oh, here you go. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The challenge many of us have is that when we are stressed is that we assume that we can carry the load and all too little, too late, we realize we can't and we should have surrendered it, claimed it, and offloaded it. Number two, offload your stress with great specificity. Psalm fifty-five, twenty-two teaches it this way. Give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Once again, do you see it's a hand in glove experience? Offload your stress with specificity. Give your burdens to the Lord. He will take care of you. I mean, you can't get more plain than that, right? But now here's what I'm gonna ask you to do this week. I'm gonna ask you every morning, to take whatever you wanna write it down on and I want you to write down uh, whatever your stressors are that day. Maybe you got 10 of them, maybe you got one of them, maybe you do it in bullets, however you wanna do Write down whatever's stressing you. Here's what I'm going ask you to do. Write them down, then I'm gonna ask you to pray with great specificity. I believe when we pray specifically, we get specific answers. Go ahead and pray about what those stressors are right then, right now. Then I want you to crumble that piece of paper up and stick it somewhere where you have to see it when you get home at night before you go to bed. And then that evening, I want you to uncrumple it and I want you to open it up and look and ask God, where did he work in your life in that area? You say, Chuck, are you daring God to do what he promises? Yeah, I really am. I believe with all my heart that this is not preacher talk. This is truly something for you to put into practice every day. Here's my stress, God. I'm going to talk to you out loud about my stress. I'm going to crumble it up. I'm leaving it right here. And when I get home tonight, I'm going to see what you did through it. You say, well, well, Chuck, do you really think God works like that? I know he does. He's worked in my life that way. How would he not want to work in your life? How would he not want to give you this this life that could take offloading stress with specificity? Philippians chapter four, verse six says, pray about everything, write it down, be specific. You know what I missed in most of my adult life? The power of claiming specific prayers with specific answers and then training my heart, my head and my ears to hear and see how God answers. But God wants to answer your stress prayer. Bring it to him. I'm begging you to bring it to him. I promise you he'll answer your prayer. Number three, when you're in a hole, stop digging. I mean, if, 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 if you're able to say, you know what? I'm part of the problem here. Let me give you a great counseling thought for this. Stop it. If, but Chuck, I just can't, I, you know, I've been telling untruths so long, I just can't stop it. Sure you can. God, the stressor I'm creating is I don't, I'm not a truth teller. God, would you, would you cause me to speak the truth? God, I, I want to stop digging, but the fact is I'm kind of wired up in a way where I kind of enjoy it. I, I like the attention. Well, can I just say to you, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean, seriously, you mean you want to take on that stress when you could have the blessing of God? Well, yeah, look at how everybody kind of rushes to my attention, all in the wrong way. Have you not figured out all, all, all those folks that come rushing to those of us who get maxed out are like, come on, you're creating your own junk here. How do we help you? And you know how we help you? <laughs> Write it down, pray about everything, leave it with him. The Psalmist says, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. The best way to stop digging is to surrender. The worst way to stop digging is simply change holes. Luke chapter 21 says this, watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware. Listen, friend, if you're watching at home online or you're in this room, I want you to know you're not going to be called and, and caught unaware. I've told you. The dangers of hanging on to this stress yourself is the fact that you are literally looking to heaven and saying, I know you can't help me, but I can do it myself. Every time that I have clung to stress and fret and worry, you know what I've said to God? I can preach about you, but I'm not gonna really believe it. You're not gonna do it for me, are you? And every time that I lay it down and surrender, you know what I find? That he is always faithful. I want for you to experience that. I want you to walk out tomorrow morning and wadded up that piece of paper and laid it down when you got home and say, I saw how God worked. I know how God worked in my life and train your head and your heart and your ears to say, Lord, I saw you at work today. I saw you at work in my life today. There's nothing like Christmas in the celebration of the coming of our savior. Man, there's nothing like it, especially when we swap our stress for his strength and we choose the reason for all of this season today and cast all of our stress on Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today, I believe there are people in this room that have massive stress in their life. Maybe some of it they created, maybe some of it circumstances created, maybe extended family a broken relationship created. I don't know what did that, but I I know this, that regardless of what his genesis was, you can step in and do a great work. And so I want to ask you, Lord, today, for folks who are in this room and are thinking, Chuck, that's just preacher talk, I can't do it. I pray that you would overwhelm them with your presence right now, that you would literally step into their life as a warning sign and grab the megaphone and say, I'm trying to get your attention. And they would turn to you and say, Jesus, I call on your name today. God, I believe there are folks in this room and watching online that maybe they have been believers for for decades. And somewhere along the way, nobody told them that the God of all creation couldn't wait to go and do a fresh work in their life every single day. And they got lazy in their walk with Christ and they forgot to trust him with things that matter. And they, they just kind of went on and carried it all on their own and they're maxed out and they're stressed out and they're just, they're just tired. God, would you bring a fresh wind in their life and Holy Spirit, would you go into their heart and remind them that you want to do a fresh work every moment of every day because you are the God of all creation. You are the hope of the world. So God, I ask you to step into our hearts and do that now. Our Messiah came, Lord, you came so humbly that we might be reminded of your goodness and your grace. God, I pray every person hearing or watching right now would know that, Lord, you made no mistake when you made the wonderful person that's sitting here or watching or listening, that you wanna step into their life and do something very cool. And so, God, I pray they would simply just lay down their stress and pick up your strength. In the name of Jesus, our King, we pray. Amen. Come on, let's stand and rejoice before we go. Come on, church. He has come for us. Amen. It was pretty. them over and I want you to imagine that you could you take all the stress in your life you put it in your two hands and now clutch it as tight as you can and this feeling right here is the tension we feel when we we hang on to everything that God wants to replace for us and now I want you to take your hands and turn them over and just release them Say, God take it have you noticed how easy it is to go from here to here because when you're here, you can say with certainty, Messiah, would you go before me and make away and make my crooked path straight? Would you go within me and bring me peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment? Because listen friend, he is always good and you are always loved. And man, when you're like this, you're at a point of surrender and when the world is beating you up, hop on his back. Wrap your arms around the Lord Jesus and those big, strong shoulders. And let him carry you through the middle of whatever life is beating you up with, only to set you down victoriously and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead. And wrap those massive arms around you and say, My child, say it with me, I love you. God bless you. Go in peace.